Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Welcome, everybody. Thanks, Tammy. Welcome to those of you watching online. God's Plan, part three. Soundtrack available by Drake, wherever you get your music. I'm not going to sing it, because you can't really sing it, right? I tried. It doesn't really work. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> no. So we've been in this series on God's plan, working through the book of Ephesians, and tonight's the last episode, and we're going to look at the third part, which is standing in the armor of God. Standing in the armor of God. Why don't we uh, jive straight in with a prayer, and let me pray. And welcome, if you're watching online, wherever you are, as long as you're not driving a car, let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you that you have a good plan for every one of us. Thank you that you love us. And we, we pray that you would help each one of us to learn what it means to stand in the armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to dive right into our passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. If you have a Bible with you, do get it out. If you have a phone with a Bible or if you're online and you want to get your Bible out. But we're going to go to the reading. It's going to come up on the walls as well. And verse 10, Paul writes this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Everybody say stand. Against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. In other words, Paul is saying, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me also that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. How to stand in the armor of God. One of the things that we do here as the Church of England, and I'm the vicar here, is, is we get to baptize people. We get to baptize adults. If you haven't been baptized, let me know. We love a baptism. We also baptize children, and that's because we don't want anyone to ever know a time where they weren't invited and included into God's story. And when we baptize a child, it's quite a thing. Like, um, uh, there's a whole, like, uh, you know, fun... Oh, Fun, like, um, uh, that's, that's fun. Um, a fun, like, they get dressed up. The family get dressed up. They have, like, um, uh, quite often the, the kids will be, like, dressed up in, like a, a, like, a white outfit. Did you ever get baptized as a child? I have, like, a photo of me, aged, like, nine months old, being baptized, and I'm wearing a wedding dress. It is literally embarrassing. Ahead of my time, it was very gender neutral. I'm there in this, like, white dress, and I look so unhappy that I'm there in a meringue. And it's not even my wedding day. I'm just there in a dress. 
And when we baptize a baby, we'll, we'll, we'll get the baby, we'll get the water, we'll get the family, everyone's getting the phones up, granny's crying, and then we as a church say these words of liturgy over the baby that we're baptizing. And the words go like this. Fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil, and remain faithful to Christ to the end of your life. And then the priest will pray, may God Almighty deliver you from the powers of darkness. And the bit of me is like, whoa, it's a bit heavy for the babies. Couldn't it be like sprinkle, sprinkle, Jesus, unicorn, happy times? But it's like, no, we're going to pray that you'd overcome sin, the world, and the devil, and be delivered from the power of darkness. It's less like Disney, and it's more like Exorcist. And what if I do it? I'm like, it feels kind of a bit weird. And it's because of the simple fact that in today's culture, in the year 2022 in East London, we don't spend a whole amount of time talking about like forces of evil in the spiritual realms. And that's because we live in a world that's like post-enlightenment, rational, scientific, postmodern, where the dominant way we interact with the world philosophically is kind of materialism. That's to say, not like buying loads of stuff. It's actually the philosophy that says, I'm only going to believe and trust in that which I can see, that I can measure, that I can kind of understand. Like, I believe in table, because table is here. I believe in lamp. It's an Anchorman reference. <laughs> but we believe in that which we can touch. And so our culture is like sanitized from the idea of a spiritual universe with like good forces and bad forces. And even the idea of talking about the world, the sin, the, the devil is a bit weird. Maybe you're here tonight as a guest and you're like, I came for the fireworks. And there's a guy at the front talking about exercising babies. What's going on here? But yet, our culture while it's sanitized the idea of a spiritual universe out of its philosophical understanding of the world, has not been able to remove it from the stories we tell ourselves in order to make sense of the universe. Let me take a few examples from popular culture. Hands up if you ever read Harry Potter growing up as a kid. All right, calm down. That's like more response than I get when I read the Bible. Just calm down. <laughs> Hannah C. Kings, it's good. <laughs> Harry Potter, the, like the children's book, like page three, a personified spiritual force of evil that's trying to destroy the children, Voldemort. Or, or Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, any Lord of the Rings fans? Okay, there you are. Uh, uh, Sauron. <laughs> we'll pray for you later. Sauron. Okay, let me get even more contemporary. Uh, Stranger Things. Any Stranger Things fan? I love Stranger Things. The Mind Flayer. Like wherever you go in the stories and the myths that we tell ourselves as a culture, you will find forces of evil acting against the protagonists in a negative way. One more example. The most sinister of all. Frozen. Elsa. You know. Enough. I don't want to, there are children present. I don't want to get too, you know, into evil personified. And there are two dangers when you think about this stuff. Spiritual forces. Spiritual warfare. 
There are two dangers. One is like denial, which is like, hey, you know what? That stuff is just superstition. If you know the classic movie, The Usual Suspects, the character Kaiser Sose, who deceives them all, has this great line. He says, it's the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Denial says, well, there's no, there's no spiritual reality. Maybe there's a God, but, but like, that doesn't have a difference on my physical being or my emotional life or my mental life or my, my, my work life or my, my, my thought life. That stuff is, is irrelevant. And that actually is unhealthy because it's not real. The Bible's really clear. There is a reality. There is a spiritual reality. So denial is no good. The other danger is like distraction by that stuff. Like, you know, maybe you've got a friend who's like so obsessed with like spiritual stuff that like you like ring them and you're like, I'm late. The bus is running late. They're like, it's demons again. The 235 is always being taken out by demons. Is that you? Are you pointing at her? Both of them? And we get fascinated by this stuff and it becomes really distracting. Maybe you pray over your cornflakes in the morning. Lord, just, just clear the demons out of my cornflakes. Is that, just checking. Is that, is that you? Okay. Or, or when you struggle with like your, your, your mental or emotional health and you over-spiritualize it and you say it's just, you know, it's all spiritual. It's not sometimes, it's Life. Get some help. Go see someone. Talk to someone. So two dangers. One is denial. One is distraction. What does it mean as a Christian to have a healthy way of engaging with the world spiritually? Christians are called to live as people who are resilient when they face battles. And let me tell you something. You are going to face battles in your life. Maybe you've known seasons where it's been really hard. You've struggled. Maybe you will face that in the years to come. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble. It's a promise. It's not one of the ones they put on like Christmas cards. But there's gonna be tough times. How do we respond in those moments as Christians? Well, the good news is, it's an unfair fight. It's not like yin and yang. There's like good forces and evil forces and they're fighting it out and you're going in the ring with like Tyson Fury and you're gonna get mashed up. It's not like that. It's an unfair fight. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. He's defeated death. That's the good news. And what we're living in now is the mopping up operation. That's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And in that place, God wants you and I to be equipped so that we might make a difference and stand strong in the world. So, what I want to do in the next few minutes is help you and I remind ourselves how to be equipped with the armor of God, what the Bible describes as the armor of God. And we're going to go to Ephesians, and start at verse 11 of chapter 6. Paul says this, put on the full armor of God. The cafe, not the cafe. It's demons in the uh, production booth. There we go. If you're watching online and you have no quadrant for that reference, just, just trust me, we're okay. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. The Bible uses the analogy of armor. And in fact, armor would have been a very common sight in the Roman world. The Roman world was, was one which was 
commonly, every street corner, you'd find Roman soldiers. And the Roman armor was like the common thing. You'd see a Roman soldier almost on every corner of the street. In fact, while Paul was writing the book of Ephesians, he was a prisoner. Meters away from him would have been a soldier guarding him. Now, you don't get much Roman armor in London in the 21st century, but I found some in Dalston on Friday. You can get anything in Dalston, by the way. Literally any gear you need, you can get in Dalston. Not, that's, that, that sounded wrong, but it, you can get Roman armor in Dalston, okay? So um, we have actually got a full set of Roman armor right here. Here we go. Ready? Big reveal. Hey! I got it in Dalston. I borrowed it for the weekend. And not only that, but I have got also, I've recreated for you a Roman soldier. They would be enlisted in the Roman legionary. They'd shave their head. They'd get a tunic on. Here they are. Nate has committed to the part. Come on. Look at that. Natus Maximus. Hail Natus Maximus. Come and sit down. So good. First rule of combat is to know your enemy. Who are you fighting spiritually? Verse 12, the Bible says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, it's not against people. If like Deborah in HR gives you a hard time, it's not a spiritual battle. It's just Deborah in HR giving you a hard time. This is very clear. The, the Greek word that Paul is writing about here is the word kosmokratores, and that means the gods with a small g. So there is a spiritual reality. Not only is there God who made the universe, but there are also spiritual powers that are in rebellion against God. And that's what Jesus is, is confronting on the cross. When he dies, he disarms those powers and makes a spectacle of them on the cross. The power of those God small g is broken once and for all. So the first thing is know your enemy. Understand that it's not people you're fighting or like even structures, although they can be unjust and people can do very evil things, but there is a spiritual reality to evil that we forget at our peril. And the good news is that Jesus has defeated evil at the cross. He's defeated death. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God doesn't want you living your life as a victim. He wants you to live your life as a victor, in victory, in freedom, with life, with love. And the secret to this is standing in the armor of God. So verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, meaning when bad stuff gets thrown at you, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to what? To stand. And then the book of Ephesians uses six bits of armor. And of course, they're physical from the Roman soldier, but also they have a metaphorical application to our lives. The first is the belt of truth. Temi, can you come and be our stylist today? Come on up. Come on, Temi. Come. That's it. Come on, get it. Let's get the belt of truth. It says verse 14, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, a soldier would have a belt. There we are. This is the latest model, latest edition. Thank you so much. Now, this belt would go around your waist. Now, why do you wear a belt? Hands up if you're wearing a belt today. 
Why do you wear a belt? To keep your trousers up. That's a word for someone here today. The belt of truth is meant to keep your trousers up. It's meant to stop you falling apart. It's meant to protect, you know, your bits in war. God doesn't want you to go through your life like getting, like, kicked in the, you know. I'm going to leave this analogy right there. The point is, God wants you to be equipped with a belt of truth. You know when the people are called out of Egypt and the Passover happens, God says to Moses, tell the people to put a belt on. Gird their loins, is the old phrase, because they're going to need to hold it together. First thing is to, to hold it together, to tie that belt around your waist. And the truth of God, what God says about you and, and the truth of who you are really when no one's looking, integrity, need to marry together and then hold together. So let me ask you this. What do you need to buckle up? What do you need to hold together? What do you need to say honestly to God? Look, I need your help, God, in this area of my life. Hold it together. That's the first bit of armor, the belt of truth. You'll notice Nate is modeling the classic, can we just do a little turnaround? Classic tunic. What do you notice about the tunic? It's red. Why was it red? When a soldier got injured, all the tunics were red so they couldn't, be tell, they couldn't see the blood. They, it was a really clever thing. So however bad the fight got, you couldn't tell they were wounded. As Christians, we wear Jesus. It says in the book of Galatians, we're clothed with Christ. Jesus has already died on a cross. You don't have to relive that. You are freed. Your life has been purchased. The blood of Jesus has covered you. He's died so you don't have to. He's been wounded so you don't have to. So we can walk through life with healing. So underneath the armor, be clothed with Christ. First step. So let's put the belt on. Temi, can you put that on? Nate, Natus Maximus, there you go. Well done. So first bit of armor, the belt of truth. Second bit of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. This is the uh, 2022 AD model. That's pretty good. Um, can we get that over the top? Is that good? We're going straight in with that. There you go. I'll strap you on there. Now, what do you notice about a breastplate? What's a breastplate for? Why do people wear a breastplate? Why? Why would you have a breastplate on? Protect your heart. Someone at the 11 o'clock service this morning said in the front row, to protect your boobs. And his wife was like, what? They had like a domestic on the front row, still laughing about it. But to protect your heart. <laughs> the point is the heart is the one organ that if it's wounded, it's fatal. What God is saying with this is, is protect your heart. You know, the devil, if he can't destroy your soul, he'll try and dull your passion over a decade. And that's far more dangerous for our lives as believers. So protect your heart. Now, if you were a Roman citizen and you saw someone with a breastplate, you know what you'd think? You'd think, hang on a minute, this is pretty serious because Roman soldiers didn't wear breastplates. Do you know who wore breastplates? It wasn't the ordinary soldiers, it wasn't the centurions, it wasn't even often the generals. If you go to the British Museum and you find the antiquities kind of room, you'll see sculptures of Roman emperors, and they always have a breastplate on. Because the common soldier would never be seen in a breastplate. 
The breastplate is a sign of authority, of leadership, of being a ruler. And in fact, we're told, that we're reminded this is God's armor, not ours. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 17, we read this. God, he has put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on our head. In other words, protect your heart, not with your own righteousness, but with God's armor. God can protect your heart. God can keep you living right with him. You can't do that in your own armor. It's God's armor that you're gonna need for the years ahead. Then the third thing that we have, the third piece of armor is the shoes uh, that says this, verse 15, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now the Roman world was famous for its roads. In fact, we still have Roman roads in East London. We have Roman Road. Anyone been down Roman Road? Yeah, Dalston. Anyone live in Dalston? Give me a wave. If you live in, maybe you're not sure. That's Dalston for you. It's like, I don't know. I don't know where I am. I'm in Dalston, right? If you live in Dalston, Dalston Road, Kingston Road is a Roman road. It runs for miles up straight up the map. There you go. Give yourselves a clap for that one. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> just Hannah, right? <laughs> just Hannah clapping yourself. That's great. It is hard and it's low. Okay, so you're doing great there. Tell me, thank you so much for helping. Do you want me to do the other side? Is that good? No, it's already done. It's, right. a, it's, already, it's already done. Great. Fantastic. So Roman shoes. Let me tell you about what the Roman soldier wore. They wore shoes that were incredibly tough because they could march huge distances with their shoes. They were famous for being able to move really quickly. The point is these are a shoes spiritually that you need to be ready. The armor needs you to be ready to go. To be ready for God to use you in the most extraordinary ways in any situation you find yourself. Maybe you're at work tomorrow morning and there's an opportunity to share your faith or encourage someone or speak truth or speak life or, and bring hope. Be ready. Don't be like, I haven't got my shoes on. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to respond. Or if someone needs help, be ready to go. And it's a gospel not of conflict or domination. It's a gospel of peace. The word in the Hebrew, shalom, meant bringing wholeness and reconciliation to the whole world. So be ready. Get your feet ready to go. Like an athlete, tighten your shoelaces. Be ready to get out there and make a difference. Okay, so we've got, we've got Natus Maximus. We've got a breastplate. We've got a belt. We've got sandals. <laughs> so good. Uh, next, we need the fourth piece of armor, the shield of faith. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So here we go. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Tammy. Sorry. Now, the shield of faith, this is a replica, but it's pretty solid. And the Roman shield was an extraordinary piece of technology. 2,000 years ago, it hasn't been bettered. In fact, I was talking to a guy this morning who used to run the police in Hackney, Leroy Logan, speaking at Renaissance. And Leroy came up to me after the uh, service. He said, you know what? When you're talking about the shield... That's what we would do, we still do today, with riot police, riot shields. Exactly the same shape, exactly the same format. And a shield for a Roman soldier was incredible. If they were in battle and the enemy was firing at them, they'd put the shield down and they'd hide behind it, just like I am right now, and they were safe. <laughs> and then when the arrows were coming down from above, they would flip the shield up, has a little handle on the back, whoop, and it would protect them instantly. 
And in fact, when a soldier went down the battlefield, let's say Temi went down. Come on, Temi, come on. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's reenact this. Let's just, just lie on the floor like you've been shot with an arrow. That is the most like amateur dramatic. <laughs> are you like are you available for like mur- <laughs> for like murder mystery parties? He's dead. Okay, he's not. You're not dead. You're just wounded. Can you be like a little bit more alive? Okay. Oh, he's a little bit. What the, the the guys would do with the shields? They come and they would block around Temi, and they'd link shields, and over the top they'd link shields, and they'd protect, they'd form a box around Temi that would mean that you can evacuate him to safely. (laughs) So the shield of faith, take the shield of faith in your life. The point is this, the Christian life is not meant to be a solo sport. You can't fight a battle on your own. Imagine that, a soldier running out on a battlefield on their own. We're, in, like, we're meant to be in community with one another. That's why connect groups are so good. That's why get and meet people, find two or three people you can hang out and make friends with. Because when you're down on the ground, your friends can get around you and protect you and shield you, and you can keep going. So take the shield of faith, trusting in God. Here you go, have a shield. There we go. So... The fifth piece of armor is the helmet. Let's get the helmet out. The helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet in the Roman world is iconic. You can see them in the British Museum today. This is a pretty cool one. And you'll notice a couple of things about the helmet. Let's put this on you. There we go. Is that all right? Oh, I've just broken it. I've just broken it. There we go. It's better now. There we go. How does that feel? Is it good? Comfy. Comfy. Okay, turn around, turn around. The helmet at the back has a protection so you don't lose your head. At the front, it has protection, flaps, to keep your mouth and your nose and your ears and your kind of like whole like eyes and everything. Are you all right? Are you good? Uh, and here has a shield to stop arrows hitting you. The point is it's, it's fully protective of all the key functions, sight, speech, brain function, so that you can survive in a battle. Paul says, take the helmet of what? Of salvation on your head. In other words, like make sure you remind your mind, literally to remind yourself that you are loved, that it's gonna be okay, that however hard life gets around you, you are saved by Jesus. And you can know that here tonight if you're here for the first time in church, that you are deeply loved by God. He has a plan for your life that you're gonna, you're gonna take with you for the rest of your days that means that you're being saved by the Holy Spirit in your life. You're gonna be saved. One day you'll see him face to face in heaven. It's gonna be okay. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more conflict, no more suffering. The battle may be fierce, but it's not the end game. God is saving you. That's why in Romans, Paul writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Bring your thought life captive to Christ. That's what salvation does for us. That's what the helmet of salvation does for us. So maybe you need to hear this tonight. You know, maybe tomorrow at work or in your relationships or in your finances or in your emotional life or your, your stresses and anxieties, you need to remind yourself that, that I, I, can, I can do it because I'm loved. I'm safe. I'm saved. God is not an enemy. He's on my side. He's equipping me to make it through. 
and make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen? So helmet of salvation, and then we move on to the last bits of armor. So we've got a helmet, salvation. We've got breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shield, shoes. But all the armor up to date is defensive. In other words, it's protective. Next, Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit. Now, can we put that over you? Tell me, come and dress him. Come on, here we go. Help me out here. Over the top. That's it. The sword of the Spirit. Verse 17. Verse 18, sorry. No, sorry, 17. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, the Roman soldier had two weapons. He had a sword and he had a spear. And you, here you go, take the spear from me. Great. The sword, if I can just get there here. Stand still. This is a real sword. Be careful. Okay. This is a Roman sword. Very, very short. Barbarians had great big, long, broad swords. The Roman sword was very, very short. Why? It was used for close combat. And it was used when your enemy had attacked you, you would defend yourself with the sword. And it was double-sided. It was double-edged. Paul says, take the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In other words, your weapon as a Christian is not a, a sword, useful as that would be in a conflict, because we're not fighting that kind of war. The weapon we fight with is the Word of God. That's why Jesus, when he's being tempted by the devil, he quotes the Bible. He says, it is written. It is written. It is written. Can I encourage you to get a Bible if you don't own one? Carry it with you in your bag. I mean, that, that's, that may sound like something from the medieval times. But trust me, I find it so useful. I have a Bible, and I, I like get it, and I write things in it, and I scribble, and I highlight, and I've got like, oh, wow, look, here's some promises for, from Ephesians. Look, look, it says this, verse 14 of chapter 2, for he himself is our peace. You know, I'm struggling with stress or anxiety. I say, actually, do you know what? Jesus, you're my peace. Standing on the word of God. It's going to help you win. So, little challenge. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then you'll notice the Roman soldier had a spear. And again, the spear was pretty effective. They would be able to launch this. I'm not going to do a demonstration in case I, uh, you know, let go of it. I did this once with an arrow. Do you remember we did the, uh, the sermon with the arrow? I literally shot someone on the front row. Thankfully, it was a child's arrow, but it was a conversation I had to have afterwards. So, the spear would be used to fire towards your enemy. And it was highly effective. One writer, Derek Prince, pastor, talks about this being like the, the, the Christian's intercontinental ballistic missile. That when we pray, it can go anywhere, it can do anything. As Christians, we don't have to like not get involved in what's going on in Ukraine. We can pray for Ukraine or Tigray or COP that's happening right now. We can pray for that stuff because it's going to make a difference. And you may say, well, I'm not very important. I don't get to go to COP. No, you get to pray for COP. And believe you me, it's powerful when we pray. So let me encourage you to, to not like react, be proactive in your spiritual life by learning to pray in ways that are going to change the world. When you're faced with a situation, you think, oh, it's bad news or it's a challenge. Don't freak out. Don't drop out, don't cop out or tune out, pray, pray. So let's give you a spear, there you go. Looking good. How are you feeling? Do you feel like ready? This feels good. I love the way Nate's, <laughs> Nate's moustache and this have like a, have like a thing. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if we, can we get a close up on the moustache? 
Because I think whatever that's made of is, yeah, well, there you go, okay. So good, so good. So let me encourage you. You can walk out of here more confident than you walked in here. You can walk out of here more equipped than you were. You can walk out of here less afraid than you walked in here. You can walk out of here more sure that you can deal with the challenges that Monday morning will bring you. Why? Because God wants to equip you today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn to pray that you would put on the armor of God. When you go into that meeting tomorrow at work, or you have that relationship challenge, or that flatmate who's driving you nuts, or that family challenge, or that bill comes through the post that you can't afford, whatever it might be, learn to operate in a way that you're going into the battles you face. You're dealing with the spiritual challenges you face with the armor of God on you. Does that make sense? And what's going to happen is that when you choose to wear this stuff, it's going to make a difference in your life. You know, we have for so many years had Christians who've developed a kind of Christian spiritual pacifism rather than being ready and equipped to stand strong in the armor of God. We're like going out on the battlefield completely naked. And we wonder how we get knocked around. But when you go out of there with the helmet of salvation, with the breastplate of righteousness, the bell of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of the gospel, you're ready and you can stand strong. It doesn't matter what the world, the flesh, and the devil throws at you. You know you are rooted and standing in the love of God. Nothing's gonna move you. Nothing's gonna overcome you. You are more than a conqueror because Jesus has already won the victory for you. So let's get ourselves, thank you, let's get ourselves into a place where as Christians, we are not afraid to stand, bring peace, bring life, bring wholeness, bring healing to the world. And that is ours, not because we've earned it. Remember, it's God's armor. It's the king of kings breastplate. It's God's power at work in you that can make a difference in your life. So let me ask you once again, what is it that you need from God today? I mean, what's your greatest challenge? What are you most afraid of? And could we ask God to so equip us that when we walk out the doors here, we've learned the spiritual principle that we don't have to go into the fights without the armor that God gives us in our lives, right? Does that sound okay? Why don't we stand and let me invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I'm gonna ask you to pray for yourself tonight, if that's okay. Uh, and we're gonna pray a real simple prayer. We're gonna simply pray that we put on the armor of God. As a worship team come up, Nate, you can, you can go, thanks. Can we give it up for Nate and Temi? <laughs> where, where are you going, Nate? That's great. You see him like wandering around in Dalston later on. No one would notice, right? It's Dalston, right? Why don't we pray? Come, Holy Spirit, we pray right now. And fill each one of us listening, whether we're in the room or whether we're watching online. Fill us with hope, with love, with peace. And we're gonna simply ask the Holy Spirit to equip us with the armor of God. The book of Ephesians says, chapter six, that we would be 
equipped, firstly, with a belt of truth. What is it that you have to wrap around you to hold you in place? Is it the truth about what God has said about you? You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. You are more than a conqueror. God has a plan for your life. In the book of Jeremiah, it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And then the truth about who you are. Oh, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Bind that around yourself tonight. And secondly, that breastplate of righteousness. Maybe you feel like your heart has grown cold. Cynicism has set in and you feel like life has become really hard. Well, the breastplate of righteousness, God's love for you, that Jesus has made you all right at the cross. You don't have to perform or prove. And it's not ordinary armor, it's the king of kings breastplate. Maybe just put your hand on your chest and pray, Lord, would you put that over my heart today? Keep my heart pumping with love. And then the shoes are the readiness of the gospel of peace. Like, Lord, wherever I set my foot, may I bring peace. May I bring life. May I be ready to step into that situation where I can be a witness for you. You know, it's hard to be an ambassador and bring the place you're representing into disrepute. Well, some of us need to step up to be ambassadors again. So I'm here to represent Jesus Christ in my work, in what I do. And then the shield of faith. Maybe just picture holding that shield over your life where there's arrows coming, challenges, attack. Well, no, I'm gonna stand in the covering that I know I have when I trust in you, God. And I'm gonna cover others around me. I'm gonna be that kind of person who, who creates shade for others to rest in, safety. And then the helmet of salvation. Maybe for you, it's the renewing of your mind. Maybe there are thoughts that you need to say, Lord, I struggle with this stress or this situation. Just bring that to God right now. Let your mind be renewed. I think for some, that's a real thing, that what you say about yourself doesn't build you up. You look in the mirror and you tell yourself something that's different to what God thinks about you. Well, that thought pattern can stop tonight. Renew your mind. Let the Holy Spirit do it right now. And then the sword of the Spirit. Some of us have put that sword away. Maybe we knew the Bible once and we didn't think it would work. But it's time to get the sword out again. Say, it is written. I'm a new creation. It is written. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It is written. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm loved. I'm safe. I have a plan that God has for my life, a future, a purpose. And then I'm going to pray. Pray 
for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Let's be a community that prays. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done. So Holy Spirit, tonight, we ask that you would equip your people with the armor of God. And we're gonna worship a few minutes and then we're gonna go outside and light some fireworks up. But right now, as you worship right now, commit your walk to God. So as you walk out of here, you would know that you're walking out with the armor of God on you and that no weapon formed against you will prosper. You are more than a conqueror. The battle belongs to God and he's already given you the victory. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.